First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate Cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia, or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks, and automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology, real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Hi, you're listening to The Cardigan, a special series from Selfie, focusing on the intersection of psychology and self-care. I'm Kristen, a licensed therapist, a skilled catastrophizer, and mom of four. And I'm Matthias, a licensed therapist, side-eye aficionado, and a dog dad. We're going to be taking your mental health questions, chatting about our own journeys, and looking at psychology in the media. We hope you learned something about yourself, the people you love, and the world of mental health and maybe laugh a little along the way. So go grab some tea and your favorite cardigan and we'll meet you on the couch. Hey guys, welcome to Selfie. Well, we've got lots to talk about today. We're answering a listener question about friendships with people you find attractive. Can it work? What are the boundaries? Is it a slippery slope? Um, I'm going to talk about a fight I got into with a megachurch pastor and what it reveals about megachurch pastor dynamics. And we're going to talk about some of the anxiety around Roe versus Wade and the potential of that being dismantled. First, we're going to do a mental health check-in. Hey, Matthias. Hey, Kristen. I want to hear about this fight. Oh, my gosh. I mean, I saw some of it go down. Did you but... see some of it? <laughs> yes. Well, it's funny because I don't know. Like, I was like, we should probably talk about this. Yeah. Um, and I certainly did not mean for it to be a fight. That was a surprise. Yeah. So this happened over Easter weekend. So I, I have a little distance from it. And honestly, I haven't wanted to talk about it because it did become such a kind of like public kerfuffle <laughs> that I was like, I'm going to take some time away because they seemed very activated by it. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to kind of like, let's just move on. Um, but I, I did not back down because I, you know, was scared or intimidated or anything like that. It was just right. more like, let's, this is getting to be a little bit of drama. But I do want to talk about it because I do think it revealed a lot of interesting things about kind of toxic Christian culture. Mm-hmm. Okay, so what had happened was <laughs> um, Easter. There is a pastor, and I'll, I'm just going to name him uh, because, I, you know, I don't think there's any value in me being vague, but it's a pastor named Earl McManus. He is a pastor of a very large and very affluent um, celebrity, attractive church in Hollywood called Mosaic. Now, I like, I have liked traditionally this church. I've been to the church. I know people on staff at the church. Um, I have always liked Irwin. Um, I kind of thought he was one of the good guys. Um, But over the last few years, I have noticed Irwin sort of drifting into that celebrity obsession, you know, touting his friendships with celebrities, um, wearing very high-end clothing, 
Um, but which that is what it is. A lot of pastors do that. I mean, there's entire accounts dedicated to kind of like revealing how much the shoes cost of these celebrity pastors. And that's a whole issue in and of itself, but that really wasn't the issue. The issue is that Irwin, you know, I think that he, my guess is that he recognizes there is some cognitive dissonance around some of the things he's wearing and his, he, he, he has designer tastes, which is fine. But I think he recognizes there's a little dissonance between that and like the gospel. So the way that he deals with this well speak yeah i mean i mean i have nothing to say i just think it's hilarious so keep going right because there is a dissonance the reason that yes he feels a dissonance is because the bible says right right that we should not be about these things so yes like literally share everything you have with the poor i hate to tell you folks but jesus was kind of a socialist so anyway um And so the way that he's dealing with this dissonance is that he will, when he does talk about fashion or clothing, and he also is a, he's also a aspiring designer and he has his own clothing line that is insanely expensive. Mm -hmm. So this is a pastor who is also trying to be a high-end fashion designer, which is fine. He, like, he's allowed to do that and he's allowed to have Gucci taste, whatever, Where I get super squicky is that the way that he sort of presents this is that he will write these captions where he sort of spiritualizes his clothing choices. Mm. And so his caption on his Easter Sunday post was about how, like, God is eternal, but nice clothing can feel eternal, too. (laughs) And he hopes that his friend's new fashion line points to the eternal one. And it just was like this weird Christian influencer collaboration with a high-end designer. And the caption was just this over-spiritualization. Instead of just saying, like, dude, my friend hooked me up with some expensive clothes. Yeah. Which would have been fine. Right. So this caption, I don't know why it set me off. Why, Matthias? Why did it set me off? I mean, it would have set me off too. Like, like you know, like I was just like, this shit cannot stand. That's where right. I was. Totally. I don't know. I woke up to grumpy and tired and I was like, no, we're not doing this yeah. in Jesus name. Right. No. So I just posted, reposted a pic, the picture. All I did was repost his picture, his caption. And I said, I think I said Christian celebrity is problematic. That's all I said. And then, you know, my comments became very, you know, were very, people were very critical. Like, you know, people were like, what the hell? This is so disgusting. And for about, you know, three hours, those were the comments, people being very frustrated. And then suddenly the comments were like, how dare you? You're tearing down a pastor. You don't know him. He's a man of God. And I'm like, oh, okay. These are not my people. Right. So, so someone's being sent from somewhere. So then I realized that the this pastor, Irwin, his son is Aaron, and they run a podcast together called Battle Ready. And mm. it's their podcast, Irwin and Aaron. It's their podcast. And it's, you know, very related to the church. Aaron is also on staff at the church. 
And they have, from their podcast account, sent people over to fight me. <laughs> like, they... Yes, they absolutely called people. They, like, called people in to fight me. And then Aaron, from that podcast account, not from his personal account, but from his father's podcast account, is just ripping people in the comments. Like, just fighting people like an internet troll. I mean, troll behavior. Like, and I am down for discourse. I don't moderate my comments. I, you know, whatever. Like, people can say whatever they want in my comments. They can call me out, whatever. But this is this is not that. This is just troll behavior. I mean, mm. just he's making fun of people. He's he leaves like, I mean, 50 comments at least from this podcast account of his dad. So anyway, it's just gross. But then he goes back like later that night and deletes them all. <laughs> Dirty deletes them all. Yeah. So he's just behaving like a 15 year old on the Internet. And then the next day they do an entire podcast episode about me. <laughs> I didn't know that. Yes. Yeah. Oh, wow. And, you know, I have people being like, you got to listen to this. And so, I mean, Matthias, you can guess exactly how it goes. Sure. Yeah, guess. Oh, like, just like calling your credibility into question uh-huh. mm-hmm. and also like uplifting them as being, you know, people of God. Yep. and Right. Yeah. Just right. like spiritual bullshit. Yes. A hundred percent. So this was a spiritual attack. I am basically Satan. I mean, that's not the words they used, but that was that was the the narrative. Right. I am this. They called it. He called it a battle between darkness and light. I'm like, dude, <laughs> I criticized your caption, and they spent an hour talking about me. Um, he, you know, Irwin said that I was seeking attention. That I just have this small life. And it's just sad that my life is so small that I feel the need to, which made me laugh. Like, what part of my life is small? (laughs) Dude. Like, I, whatever. (laughs) But yeah, it was just, it was this whole victim mentality. And then Aaron, you know, it's also, we talked about personality disorders last week. But, you know, and I'm not diagnosing Irwin with a personality disorder. But what I am going to say is there is a dynamic in narcissistic personality traits, and it is called the use of flying monkeys. Have you heard of this one? I don't know that I've heard that exact term okay. before. So so something that, that people with narcissistic traits do is that they enlist flying monkeys, which means that they act like a victim and they get they surround themselves with people who will do the dirty work right. of going after the people who have quote unquote victimized them. Right, right. And Aaron, his son, is 100% acting as a flying monkey. So Aaron is saying all kinds of terrible things about me. I mean, he's saying he hopes that I'm not in heaven. Like he said that. And, you know, Aaron, you know, came into the comments and is tearing everybody down. And this is his son. And Irwin then gets to sit there and seem like the nice spiritual pastor but he's not correcting his son from any of these behaviors or any of these narratives. And it's just a classic example of flying monkey where Irwin gets to kind of sit back and act like he's regulated and mature, but he's a hundred percent empowering, giving the mic literally and figuratively to his son to just behave horribly. And the number of DMS I got about this dynamic between Irwin and Aaron 
was wild. Hmm. Wild. So it just was, the whole thing was just a masterclass in toxic Christian leadership. That whole spiritual abuse narrative of anyone who criticizes me is, you know, Satan. Right. Um, You know, it was just, it was disappointing and gross. And and like, I mean, hearing you talk about it. Like this, I mean, in some ways, this doesn't surprise me because Mosaic and Irwin specifically has have not been a friend to LGBTQ people yes. for years. Like yes. queer people have been sounding the alarm on this church for a very long time. You're right. And I want to say this, too. I this is, I mean, a huge blind spot for me because I didn't realize that until all of this happened. And then I started people started reaching out, reaching out to me about that, too. Like, yeah. there is much that has been said publicly about how they've treated their LGBT staff, volunteers, what have you. Yeah. Yeah. It's a mess. And for you to just be on the inside of <laughs> the continuation of that in some ways. Ugh. Well, and it was so odd, too, because I was certainly not the only one calling out his outfit or his caption. Sure. I mean, I saw many people talking about it on Twitter. Relevant talked about it. Like, I was not the only one calling them out, calling him out. Right. But it was very weird to for all of their attention to be on me. Well, you're you're the one with the little blue check mark. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I guess that's what did what did it. Oh, and then another aspect of all of this that I thought was very interesting. The reason that I posted about it on my account was because I would have just left a comment on his account, but he censors who can comment. Uh. And then as soon as I criticized him, he blocked me. He blocked me on Instagram and he blocked me on Twitter. And so this whole aspect, too, of siloing yourself from any criticism, deleting any critical comments, um, you know, blocking anybody who criticizes you, like that's, to me, very toxic as well. Now, don't get me wrong. Everybody has the right to delete nasty comments or, you know, to block a troll. But but he's curating. He's not even allowing comments from other people. And so I, I almost think that Irwin was surprised because I got through, if that makes sense. Mm. Like, I don't even think he sees. I think someone else runs, you know, is filtering. So he doesn't even see any negativity. And he sure. was, like, actually surprised. Mm. Mm. Where it's like, dude, the whole internet's talking about it. You just can't see it because you block everybody. Right. I don't know. Yeah. It was all very, very weird. Gosh. And I wish, like, honestly, I, what I wish and, and why I'm talking about this, it's not because I need attention. I actually was super bummed about the attention. Like, I was really bummed. Fair. I did not need that. Yeah. It's not fun. (laughs) No, I absolutely didn't. Oh, and then Aaron was like, you know, she got like 400 comments. You're welcome. I'm like, listen, dude, bro. His energy is so, so Cal dude, bro. Also, you know, just like, hey, everybody go to her comments. I'm running into a workout. I wasn't nice, but you guys should be. That's actually what he said. Um, But yeah, it was just I I did not enjoy (laughs) I did not enjoy the attention one bit. But the reason that I keep talking about this stuff is because it's embarrassing. Yeah. It's embarrassing for Christians. It's gross. This is not what we're supposed to be about. 
Right. And, and there, I mean, there, like, I, I don't know that we could technically classify this specifically as spiritual abuse, although it might fit that category. I think his reaction was spiritually abusive. Right. It, it does fit those inner workings yeah. of what spiritual abuse actually looks like. Yes. And for so many people who have run into these dynamics in more private spaces where it's not out in the open, where you're getting, I mean, where this is happening to you and you can't talk about it or you don't know how to be able to talk about it. Like it's heartbreaking and so damaging. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And, you know, the other thing that I heard resoundingly about Mosaic was if you are critical at all, you are shut out. And I definitely see that dynamic. These are two people who cannot handle criticism. And an inability to handle criticism is immature. It's immature. I mean, a couple weeks ago, I popped off and said something about the slap at the Oscars. Oh, yeah. And I, it was not, it was not well thought. And I had people come for me. And you know what I did? I issued an apology. And then I posted the things that people like corrected me on and I let other people speak. Like if you can't be correctable, you're immature, Mm. you know? And if you're trying to be any kind of a leader, influencer, what have you, and you can't be ever called out on the things you say, like maybe you shouldn't be in that position. I don't know. It's a mess. It's a mess. And it was gross. The whole yeah. thing was gross. The The post itself was squicky. The response was gross. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway. But my, but honestly, I mean, I had a lot of people reaching out to me being like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I mean, whatever. Like, <laughs> uh, it, was, it was gross, but also somewhat amusing just yeah. because yeah. it was so textbook. Everything was so textbook. Anyway, how is your mental health? (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting ready to go on vacation. Nice. Where are you going? Palm Springs. Oh, I love Palm Springs. With some great friends who I haven't seen in a while. Good. A lovely little house. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, pool time. I just am so excited. Oh, my gosh. You've been to Palm Springs before. Oh, yeah. 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 what is it about Palm Springs that is just magical? Do you feel that way? Oh, I do feel that way. Like, what is it? I don't know. Like, for I mean, for me, some of it is just the the mid century vibe. Yes. Like, I just am obsessed with that. Me too. Me too. It's so gay. Like, I, it's that's so my gay. other favorite thing. Of is course. Just like, yeah. And it's so accessible. Like, I think that's the the thing I love about it is, like, it's just a short flight from Seattle. Yeah. Um, it's even closer for you. Like, you can yeah. drive there. And yeah. it, but it just, I mean, it feels like an actual vacation. Yes. <laughs> mm. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You're going to have so much fun. And the weather. Oh. I feel like the weather, it's like the heat is just somehow weirdly energizing. Yep. It feels like vacation mode. Get in yep. a pool, have a drink, be hot. Yep. <laughs> yep. 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 All those things. Super yep. fun. So I am ready. <laughs> Do you have a favorite Palm Springs restaurant <sighs> or bar? I yes. I really like. Is is it called the Farm or just Farm? Yes. It's a cute little brunch place. Oh my gosh! I the try best. to go there every time yes. for brunch. Yeah, and you can sit outside or inside, and it's just like it's delicious. Mm. 
I love that place. That place is so good. Yeah. That's the one where, if I remember correctly, they like bring the menu to you on like an easel. Yeah, right. And they set yeah. it up in front of your table. And then you're like it's, choosing from the easel. It's so cute. It's yeah. so cute. Yeah. I yeah. love it. Yeah. I'm jealous. Yeah. You know you need protein to fuel results, but it's not easy when you're drinking the same bland chalky shake every day. Stop punishing yourself and get to GNC for the best protein in the game, including all the hottest brands and crave-worthy flavors that'll keep you coming back for more. We're talking protein that legit tastes like cookies, your favorite cereals, indulgent desserts, and more. So bust out of your protein rut and actually look forward to those shakes with unbeatable protein at unbeatable prices. Fuel your fitness with protein at GNC. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Well, okay, for two thumbs up, I have another TV show. And, and this one is the new Amy Schumer show, Life of Beth. Oh, yeah. Okay. Have you seen that one yet? No, I've seen the previews for it. It's really good. It starts off, I would say, give it a couple episodes. Because it yep. starts off in a different place than where it lands, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I actually found it to be really similar to a sh- that um, show that I recommended a few weeks ago. Oh, my gosh. It was Bridget Everett, her mm-hmm. show. Mm. It had very similar vibes. I mean, it's just kind of an exploration of family and the effects on that, of that, and identity. Um, it also, it's funny because the Bridget Everett show had Murray Hill in it. And mm. the show also has Murray Hill. Do you know who they are? I don't know if I do. I yeah, <laughs> I, I mean, do. <laughs> he's just a very hilarious trans actor. Um, just a really fun. I don't know. I can't explain it. Uh, just a, a super fun personality. I mean, they're like a big New York personality. Yes. Okay. Um, yes. But so it's just fun that they're in both shows. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's just a sweet kind of character study like not what you expect from amy schumer it starts out with what you expect from amy schumer but then it goes really deep Mm -hmm. and it explores like mother-daughter relationships it's really it's really good it's different it's not a comedy although it sort of is yeah i don't know i can't explain it but this and the bridget everett show is like my genre okay (laughs) yes sounds good i'll check it out really good what do you have yeah, so my two thumbs up today is something that I've been using for probably a year at this point. Uh, it's a little razor shaper called Philips One Blade. Mm-hmm. Um, and I got it specifically. I don't know if this is TMI or not, but I guess we go all over the place on this show. Um, for like shaving like little sensitive bits. Yeah, and like, yeah. especially for men, but I imagine this is it's similar for y'all too. Like, it is really hard to find a, a razor that is not oh. going to do damage. 
Totally. I don't know if you know, we actually did an episode on this. Did you? Okay. On shaving private parts. So yeah. no, you are not TMI. Okay, great. Yeah, it's difficult. It's so difficult. I think and it's more difficult for you guys, though, I'm going to say. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I have nothing to compare it to. But There's like, a little it, more contours <laughs> for you. Yeah, and things are bumpy. <laughs> yes. And, like, it's just, <laughs> yeah. And so, like... I and I am one who like I just don't enjoy getting hurt and so weird weird that you don't want to get hurt and that just area don't wanna, you know cut those things up like and so I was like when I was looking I was in the market for a new razor that would kind of do those things and I looked into like you know there's so many ads out there right now for specifically for men that are tailored for like yes. you can shave your balls with this right yes. and it will be great but like the reality is is a lot of those products I was looking up actual reviews and a lot of people were saying, like, this isn't any better than mm. anything out there. Yeah. Until I stumbled across reviews of Philips One Blade. And that was the only one that I, I could find where people were like, this actually works. Mm. And so I decided to try it and buy it. And like I said, I've had it for, uh, I don't know, six months, a year at this point. I love it, Kristen. Now, like, is this an electric razor? It's like a hybrid. Huh. So it... it it looks like, you know, just like a blade, kind of like your standard blade razor, although it only has one blade, but it also has an electric component too. Like you turn it on, it vibrates. I don't know how the science works. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. All I know is that it, it actually works. Nice. And it, it works really well. I don't find myself accidentally hurting myself like I have with many other razors. Yeah. Like you obviously still have to be careful, yes. but it's not nearly you don't have to be nearly as careful as i've experienced with many others and so for anyone who's in the market whether it's for yourself whether it's for a partner like highly recommend the phillips one blade line um okay so i am look because i'm curious like does this work for women too and the top review from the united states is from dutch witch <laughs> Who says, ladies, if you've been married too long and your landing strip is an abandoned airfield, this device is for you. <laughs> oh my gosh, this is an instant review. I've been married for 20 years and at this point my husband is contractually obligated to love me. So I don't feel the need to shave my caboodle. <laughs> this thing has ended no shave 2019 like a dream. <laughs> I just bushwhack my lady biz all in one charge. <laughs> oh my gosh, this review is amazing. Does it give you a smooth shave? No. Does it get you close enough? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. So anyway, all that to say, it does appear to work for ladies as well. Yeah. It's, am nice. it's amazing, Kristen. Okay. It's, it has changed my life. Um, I might have to try that one. I do have one very similar that I like. But this one does look like it gets a little get a little closer. Yeah, uh, my experience has been it's very it's very smooth. So. <laughs> you're like I I don't agree with Dutch Witch. <laughs> Dutch Witch, if you're out there, we love you. Yes, be our friend. Come on the show. Okay, um, so our listener question. Um, this is an interesting one. So yeah. they said, "I'm looking for um, advice on." When you've made a new friend who is the same sex you're attracted to. I appreciated the the um, 
the the diversity on this the way she worded this. Mm-hmm. So, um, and you're both married or similarly committed. Um, the friend has to have been acquired after the start of marriage. Does the friendship last? Is this a horrible idea? What works and what doesn't work? So basically, can we be friends if we're in long term relationships, committed monogamous relationships? Can we be friends with people we're attracted to? Yeah. What do you think? I think yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like with... again, I'm coming to this from from a very queer lived experience. Like, well, I know. I mean, I think that that is really different. I would imagine, right? Yeah. Because most of my close friends are females, and so I'm I'm not attracted to women, so there's not really that risk. Right. Um, but I would imagine many of your close friends are males, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what are the like what are the rules then? What do you think are what's the, you know, best practice here so that we're not getting in trouble? Well, I, I mean, I think the the question is is like is it at a point of where you need to talk about it? Because yeah. sometimes that attraction can just live and you can acknowledge like, yeah, my friends are really hot and yes. like amazing. But like if you're experiencing that sense of like sexual tension between the both of you where it's like oh, something might actually happen mm-hmm. here. Are we going to kiss? Right. Like, then I think it's it's worth starting to have conversations of acknowledgement. Like, something's going on between us. Like, how, like, do we need to set up boundaries? Like, what does it look like to actually start to bring that out into the open so then it can get talked about, so then it can get dealt with in a way that is honoring to everyone involved see what's interesting about that though is what i have heard and i've heard this i've not experienced this because i've because i followed this advice like the advice i always got was if you acknowledge the attraction it's game over like Hmm. like if you both acknowledge it and you know that it's there and you say i'm attracted to you and they say i'm attracted to you then like the genie's out of the bottle all bets are off. I mean, I could see that. I mean, I could see that being true. That sense of like, it's it's reciprocated at this point. So let's do something about it. Right. As opposed to just like, keep it secret. <laughs> like, I, right. I guess like you're supposed to keep it to yourself, which is what I always did. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm all for the communication part of yes. it. Like, I've, I feel like just like acknowledgement doesn't mean that it has to move to action. And I yeah. think acknowledgement helps it not move to action but i i am also f- fully acknowledging like that may not always be the case <laughs> so. the other piece of advice that i always heard which i do agree with is that if you're in a relationship with someone where you know that you're attracted to them you don't shit talk your partner to them ever ever yeah. yes like that can't be an aspect of that relationship because I do think people get in trouble there. That feels true. Yeah. What do you think about, like, how do you talk to your partner about this? Do you tell your partner you're attracted? Do you need to make them be their friend also? Like, how does that play into it? I think you do. But again, like, that may be far more of, like, a queer ethic than than in non-queer relationships. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, where that kind of sense of, like, communication is always on the table. Um, I know a lot, I mean, I'm not in a partnership right now, but like, I know a lot of, of queer folks of where that is just an open line of communication of mm-hmm. where they talk to each other about who they're attracted to yeah. all the time. Yes. And that is just normalized. Yes. Um, I, th- I think that that 
that communication, I am very pro. So I think your partner should know in your friendships of the people that you're attracted to, like, who are the people that you're, you know, like, like my partner and I will be like, I'm safe with this person. Like, just so you know, I'm safe. And that means like, there's nothing there. Versus like, yeah, there's like, yeah, I should probably not be alone with that person. (laughs) You know, or (laughs) like, I want you to come along. Or what do you think about like having a friendship with someone that you're attracted to that isn't friends with your partner? Do you feel like that needs to be, you know, an effort needs to be made there? I don't know that your partner needs to suddenly become friends with them. Yeah. But I do, again, I, I, I am all for the communication though. Like that sense of I'm really attracted to this person. I mean, you don't need to become friends with them, but just so you know, and then you can work out those lines with your partner. What's okay. What's not okay. Mm -hmm. And then also bring that into your relationships. Again, knowing that that is a very clean cut kind of picture when I'm talking about it. Reality doesn't always work that way. Um, I mean, we were both raised in purity culture and this was true from for my context growing up, and I'm guessing it was for you, like, I grew up with rules around like, you could never be alone. And of course, this is all heteronormative, you could never be alone with someone of the opposite sex, right? If you were married, like you could never be alone, because I guess the minute you closed a door, everyone would take their clothes off. That's the way it was kind of presented. But like, for you, do you have do you have ethics or rules around you know being alone or where you can be or you know what i mean like obviously not that strict but no like maybe i mean i can see scenarios of where that might be the case like i feel like i wouldn't invite someone i was attracted to to my house alone sure sure yeah i feel like i I probably want to be in public like you know like i feel like that feels like an appropriate, you know, like let's, we could meet somewhere. Yes. But I'm not going to like, yeah, I don't know. I, right. Well, and I, I mean, I also, I think the other thing about like the, the queer ethic is when we start getting into these things, like the reality of sex maybe isn't considered to be as meaningful as in mm-hmm. more hetero relationships. And so like, then we're starting to get into much bigger questions. <laughs> yes. And an entirely well, different right. conversations. Like are we, are we open? Are we, yeah. Right. Right, right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think those boundaries, especially if it feels like it might be an issue, um, are are really important, I think, to be mutually agreed upon of like, this is what this is going to look like. Like, mm-hmm. we aren't going to be together um, in private. Like, yeah. how can we still, if we still want to make this relationship work, how can we do it in a way that, again, honors our other relationships yeah (laughs) honors ourselves honors our ethics what how we want to exist in the world i I think those things can be talked about in a way that doesn't necessarily mean that you're again going to move to action yeah yeah Yeah. i think you're absolutely right i mean it's interesting because i just even thinking about this like i haven't been in that position in a very long time i guess Mm -hmm. all my friends are women (laughs) it's funny to think about it i'm sure that this is way more relevant for you yeah. Yeah. Interesting. All right. Let's talk about the Roe v. Wade stuff. How are you? How are you doing? <laughs> how are you doing? I feel like I should be asking you that question. I know. I, like, 
I mean, I'm anxious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very anxious and, and devastated and angry and pissed and, like, what the fuck is going on? Like, all mm-hmm. of those things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I am too. I think it's a it's a very nuanced conversation to talk about abortion rights because, I mean, again, you and I are coming out of evangelical circles, and I absolutely understand that there are people who firmly hold the ideal that abortion is a sin. And I'm not here to change their mind on that. I think that people can have that belief. I personally have, I I don't want to say I would never have an abortion because I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't think that I would. I, mm. I probably wouldn't. That my like my personal ethic is I would probably not have an abortion. I I had a situation with one of my um daughters where it was looking like it was there was some genetic like really funky genetic stuff going on that didn't bear out to be the case. But when I was in that position, even then I was like, you know, I'm not gonna do further testing. We'll just see how this plays out. Like I'm, yeah. you know, I was I was ready to like carry out a pregnancy. So that's where I fall for my personal ethic. Again, I'm not saying that I don't know what I would ever do. I'm I'm not going to say never. Um, But I just think it's really important for people to understand that your, your personal values and your political values don't have to align here. Right. Um, That you can be personally pro-life, whatever that looks like. And you can be, and you can affirm the right for other people to make their own decisions about that. Yeah. And I think that that's really important because I think ultimately if we outlaw abortion, what we're just doing is outlawing safe abortion. Yes. People will still get abortions. Right. And what we're doing is we're making it more difficult. We're making it um, dangerous. You know, we're making it risky. Um, I also feel very strongly, and I know that this, you know, this has been said by so many people, but I, I absolutely agree that this is not, this is not how to be pro-life. No, Outlawing right. abortion is not how to be pro-life. Right, right, right. Because, because I think, I mean, the the really big question of of pro-life is whose life? Exactly. <laughs> so pro-life, I mean, the number one fight for pro-life should be universal health care. I, I just could not believe that more. We yeah. cannot talk about being pro-life without starting with universal health care mm-hmm. and making sure that everyone has access to health care. That's right. pro-life. And yeah. we can't talk about being pro-life without providing access to birth control to everyone easily. You know, like, right. I just, I don't know why we start with abortion. Right. I mean, it's such a, <laughs> such a wedge issue. <laughs> so it effective is. politically, like, and it's gross. Like, yeah, it is. I mean, the the hypocrisy is wild Yeah. to me. Wild. Yeah. That this is such a wet. And I, I know people, I, I know, you know, people that vote mm. on this issue. Oh, totally. Like my relatives vote on this issue. Right. Right. Well, and I think another thing that makes me so nervous about it, and, and I hear people saying that this is alarmist mm-hmm. uh, in my mind. I don't like maybe it is, but it also feels well within the realm of possibility. Like it does it end here. <laughs> like if we're getting rid of Roe versus Wade, what else is on the line too? Totally. And, and I don't say that to like diminish the fact that Roe versus Wade, like this is a big deal. Right. And 
are there other things on the horizon like gay marriage right. like all of these other right. things like it feels like this is another step in that direction of right. where we have already had so many steps of rolling back yes. fundamental freedoms yeah. that generations have fought for yeah and they're just being obliterated i know yeah i i, I don't think it's being alarmist to ask that I mean, just like I don't think it was being alarmist to say I think they're going to overturn Roe versus Wade, you know, when we when the court was being stacked the way that it that it was. And the court is stacked and will be stacked for a long time. And it's it is concerning. It's really concerning. So, I mean, it's a it's a hard thing to talk about. And I also want to say this. Uh, I, I should have led with this. I have many friends I care about so deeply who've had abortions and my personal ethic does not change the way that I feel. I have no judgment for anyone who has made that choice. No judgment whatsoever. If my I literally had this conversation with my daughters last night. If you were ever in an unplanned pregnancy, I support whatever you do. And I didn't share my personal ethic with them. Like it's I don't even want to put that on them. Like Whatever you want to do, we will support. And then I also had the talk with my girls and they're, mind you, 13 and 15, <laughs> you know, but they're not at this stage yet. But it's just like, listen, here's what you do. You use birth control. If you have a night where you forget, you go to the drugstore, you get your plan B. Like, let's never be in that position. Yeah. You right. know, And but then if you are, come to me. But like, let's try our best not to be in that position. Um. So, yeah, I just I want to make sure, though, that I that I am saying like I fully support every woman's decisions in that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, right. But, but I also want to say for listeners who are, you know, who, who do feel strongly about being pro-life really consider whether or not litigating that belief is the right thing to do. Really consider if, if making that a law for other people is correct. Because we don't have to make all of our beliefs a law that other people have to follow. That's really problematic. I mean, I, you know, I I feel like, you know, when we talk about gay marriage, that's another example. Like, right. if you don't believe in gay marriage, don't get gay married. Right. <laughs> like, and obviously gay marriage is such a dumb, it's just marriage. Right, right. It's just yep. marriage. But yep. I'm being facetious. But yeah, I mean, this this creates a lot of anxiety for people. How do we how do we deal with the anxiety? Other than like moving to California or <laughs> how do we, Kristen? I don't know. I mean, like, I'm not gonna no lie. Either. Like, I'm not gonna lie. There is a part of me that's like, well, at least I live in California. Like, that's how I'm kind of dealing with the anxiety because my governor totally as soon as this as soon as this paper was leaked, my governor was like, not on my watch. Right. We're, you know, we're writing stuff. It's not going to happen here. I, I can't imagine what it feels like to live in a state that is just ready to pounce on this being overturned and restrict women's rights. Like it, it is very anxiety producing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, the similar about, and then also asking those questions of then how do we start helping folks who are in those other states in ways yeah. that are actually tangibly helpful. Right. Um, right. I mean, like, yeah, I saw a friend posting like, you know, basically like I live in a state where it's legal and I will, you know, you can come stay with me and I will drive you. And right. maybe that's how we support. I don't know. Totally. If it gets well, to that point. 
Yeah. And I also want to acknowledge because I, I realize like even in the way I've been talking about this, like I've been talking about it in a very binary way saying women, this is not just a women's issue yeah. either. Like yeah. it affects, it affects trans folks. It affects men who can get pregnant. Like it, like there, there is not just women. Yes. Um, but, but also, you know, even straight men, you know, who are partnered, this affects them too. I mean, I, in the same way that I had this talk with my girls, the talk that I've had with my boys is like, dude, I mean, like you're, you have one shot then and that's to prevent because then this becomes out of your control too. If you're with a girl who can't get an abortion because it's, this is restricted for her, that affects men too. 100%. And that's, what's wild. It's like, I mean, this is a whole other conversation, but you know, men are on the line. If you have a biological child, you, you are responsible for that child mm-hmm. financially. Yep. But if abortion is restricted, I don't think men are really going to like what they're setting up, to be honest. Right. right. Yep. <laughs> because then a lot of men are going to be on the line for kids that they didn't mean to father. Yep. So, yeah. Um, it is very anxiety produ- pr- provoking, I think. And yeah, I agree with you that it just, it, it also does give that feeling of what's next, what else could happen. And I think for me, it just erodes my confidence in our government because I don't think that the majority of voters actually want this. Oh, right. I mean, the statistics seem clear on that. Statistically, I think 70% do not want this to be overturned. So, you know, all of it, it just, it erodes my faith in the government. It erodes my faith. Like for me, it's almost like an existential oh, totally. crisis. Like I just feel heavy and sad about all of it. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. Anyway, um, maybe, yeah, maybe we should start a thread about like how we're coping and how do we reduce our anxiety about all of this. Hey, thanks for listening. Just a heads up, we're therapists, but we're not your therapists. This podcast is not a substitute for therapy, and by making it, we're not rendering psychological or other professional services. If you need therapy, we recommend you track down someone to help. Join us online for more of the conversation in our Selfie Community Facebook group or on Instagram at at Selfie Podcast. 